Um, it's the best feeling ever. I still get a tear every time a baby's born. It's, oh, it's yeah. amazing. Like, Even if I know, watch a baby being born on Instagram. It's phenomenal, um, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We've got Larissa with us Hello. and the beautiful Narelle is back to talk to us a little bit about how to get your body ready for having a baby and what While to expect and mm. what to expect in labour and postpartum. Hello, so, it's good to be back. Um, so in the last episode, Narelle, we touched on your work as a midwife yep. and this burning question. So obviously we've gotten... There's this common thread that everyone talks about after they give birth and come out of hospital and it is I get told a million different things by all the midwives. Um, I recently just saw a woman and she was a week out of hospital and that was one of the first things that she said to me. She said, I actually just wanted to leave because I ended up being so confused about yeah. all the different things that I was being told by all the different midwives. My doula clients have the same. At the amount of times I've been told, I'm just so confused. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that's a number one complaint that we get um, mm-hmm. as maternity services is that conflicting advice. Mm. And it's a really tricky one because um, as midwives, we all have come with such diverse experience, um, mm. you know, and unfortunately with babies, there's no book that mm. says do this, yeah. that this is the right way of doing it. So there are, you know, a million different ways of doing one thing. Mm. And so then it's just, I think, empowering people with the smile and nod through it all and work out mm. then what works for mm. you. Because I think everyone's giving you that advice with such good intention mm. um, that it, it's definitely very confusing um but i think you just have to take each bit with a bit of a grain of salt and say okay that didn't work for me thank you for the advice that didn't work for me Mm. but hang on that's really great and that worked for us so Mm. we'll run with that one Mm. so well it is it is very confusing I, i sort of think there's not you know we're all trained very well um but i think it's the experiences that that create that sort of diversity in the information that's being given so it is a tricky one um do you think also maybe, and I could be completely wrong, so please tell me if I am, but um, I think I mentioned in one of our past episodes how I wish, there, I wish we lived in a world where medical professionals were paid for however many hours a week they need to be paid to be keeping themselves up to date with the most current medical absolutely, research. Absolutely, absolutely. Because yep. there's so much coming out all the time. Yeah. And it's like if you did your midwifery training 30 years ago and you've just been working, 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 like mm. no one's no one's a bad person for not being able to go home and read medical papers after a mm. No, exactly. It life happens, shift, doesn't it? So you, just, you don't have the time. We definitely have to do um, – professional development points so that's to keep our registrations every year um so i have to do some for nursing and some for midwifery so Mm -hmm. you definitely have to keep up to date with that however you're always going to get that bias you know of a nurse or midwife that's been working for 40 years and this is what they used to do back then and that always works so and people want you to do what they did right like if if, um And it if works you do for them. what they tell you to do, yeah. then it makes them feel good. If what works for them also works for yeah. you, then that makes them feel good. And people want to please, don't they? Of so course. if someone tells you to do something, mm. you always try yeah. it, don't mm. you? And especially, you know, women and families at this stage are so vulnerable that they will take on anything because mm. it's so foreign, you know, 
No one has, even as a midwife, when I went through it personally, you can't describe it and I don't think you can fully prepare for it even with all the knowledge in the world. Mm. So you do then take what people say, you know, to heart and you try and you try and do everything. So, yeah, it's a really tricky one and I think there's always going to be that conflict in information coming through. I think it's um, – we definitely need to work on it. Do you um, think it's a conflict of information, Narelle, or is it a conflict of attitudes around the information? Because oof, surely – Good question. Surely yeah. there is a generic way of doing things, right? There's a couple of ways to breastfeed. There's a couple of ways to do this. There's a couple of ways to do that. Yeah. And is it not necessarily that the information is different, but it's maybe the way within which that information is then interpreted through experience? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then it's that attitude around the delivery of that and the way it's communicated as well definitely you know I would always hope that you know when I give information it's this may or may not work why don't we try this if it works great if not that's fine um you know I think delivery is a huge thing as opposed Mm. to saying do this you know this will work um and women feeling like then they're failing because that's not working Mm. and that's setting women up for failure because Mm. Because they're feeling like they're not they're not doing as they're told, um, so yeah, I, there's definitely you are absolutely right, and there are biases and there are mm. tones in the way that you can say things, and sometimes it probably doesn't come across the best way. And when you're so vulnerable, you think you've just had a baby, you're tired, you're emotional, mm. you're exhausted, you probably haven't slept in you know how long, mm. so your resilience is not there either. So mm. women are saying this, you're taking it all on board, and it's such a personal thing because everyone wants to do the best by their baby, so. And you're also dealing with midwives and nurses and lactation consultants that are also just humans. Absolutely. And could be having a good day, a shit day. They could have seen 10 mums before you. They could have just Absolutely. finished their training and you're the first person yeah. I'm seeing. Like, you just – you never know who you're going to get or yeah. what they are also experiencing. Absolutely. And how that's going to impact the way they deliver information to you. And different personalities. Some click yeah. with some totally. people and some don't, yeah. you know. I like the firm personality, you know, you know tell me what you think and this is it. Whereas, you know, a lot of people are a lot more fluffy and, you know, it's different personalities and different personalities click with different ones. Yeah. So it is a really tricky one. It's definitely our number one complaint that we get mm. is that conflicting advice or, you know, people feeling like they're being judged, Yeah. Um, which I hope and, you know, feedback is, is that we're getting better at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know now if people come into hospital and they're not wanting to breastfeed, that's okay. Let's teach you how to formula feed. Yeah. Mm. Um, whereas I know in the past they'd pretend to try and faff through Mm. breastfeeding for a few days until they go home and then they're we we're never going to breastfeed at home anyway so then they've got to learn themselves how to mm. use formula Navigate, whereas yeah. I think let's be honest up front and I think we're getting that message across and I think more women are empowered to to do that you know as an example to come in and say I don't want to breastfeed and so that's no worries at all let's now teach you how to formula feed these are the amounts this is how to make it up Um, yeah I think it's something at home and Jess and I have certainly spoken about this a couple of times that you know one of our biggest things will be exactly what you just said yeah this is the way that we can do it let's start here let's try and see how that feels for you I know Jess yeah we've been talking about this very mother-led but with you know the most up-to-date advice we can give Mm, but with no absolutely zero judgment and absolutely zero pressure to do things the way 
our staff are telling you to do We them. feel that they should yeah. be, you know, that women should be doing it because it's at the end of the day, it's not our journey, it's their journey. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think, but women do, like I said, they, they're new to this journey so they're looking at, to you for mm. advice. So I think it's giving them the information and, you know, then they're making informed consent of what they want for their baby. I do also think, and I know that people, <laughs> when you're pregnant there is so much, so much to do, so much to think about, so much to read. Reading a breastfeeding book is kind of at the bottom of a lot of people's lists. Absolutely. But just having a little bit of information or a bit of education about it before you give birth is so helpful because then it means that then it's, again, it's that doing what works and ignoring what doesn't, but having a Mm. bit of a baseline. And that goes for the dads too um, because I don't think they quite have an understanding of what it entails and everyone thinks breastfeeding is this beautiful natural thing, babies just attach on and it's great. It's not Um, my story. No, and it's not a lot of women's Mm. story. You're definitely not alone with that. Um, It can be very, very challenging and, and, you know, if dads are there and they understand it more, they can support women a lot more as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very mm-hmm. important. So there are some wonderful breastfeeding courses out there which you can do antenatally and I would encourage, you know, if you're going to do one course, that would be it. Mm-hmm. Birth is birth and amazing to be empowered and, you know, we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, get your information of what you want to do and if you want to write a birth plan, that's all fantastic. But then looking beyond birth because at the end of the day, birth's a day really, isn't it? Like, you know. Birth's a day, sometimes yeah. three for some people. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> a bit longer, definitely. Um, yeah. It's such a small blip on the radar. And it, look, it does affect, yeah. it hugely affects your postpartum. Absolutely. But it's also yeah. so small compared to what comes afterwards. Absolutely. And a lot of first-time mums just don't understand that. No. I think second-time mums are a bit more... Um, you know, knowledgeable about how much preparation they need to do for the Yeah, they probably throw out the rule book a bit as well. You yeah. know, you have all these expectations first time, mum, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then you realise actually that didn't work or no. that never happened. So you sort of, I think, a bit more um, go with the flow, second mm-hmm. baby of, of what works, definitely. I certainly did that. Yeah. With a lot of Sebastian, people. I was like, okay, I'm not. I'm surrendering through this process. Yes. I'm not hanging on for dear what life. Will be, what will be, will be, will be. And if we yeah. have to, you know, if an example of breastfeeding, you know, if we have to give some formula, the world's not going to end. Mm. You know, if we have to alter from our plan, that's okay because my baby's still fed and healthy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I took that on a lot more around the breastfeeding with yeah. Sebastian than I did with Valentina. It yeah. Was, yeah, it was horrendous with yeah. Valentina, but Seba was much more like... Oh, well, we'll give it a go, what but if be, it doesn't work, be. it doesn't yep. work. Yeah. No. And, you know, we talk about um, antenatal expressing on being onto that. You know, they talk about that a lot for women with diabetes mm-hmm. um, to prepare and see oh. if you can get some colostrum for when the baby's born. So, But I'm a big fan of that. You know, there's if women can start that 37, 38 weeks, great. Mm-hmm. You know, and that it starts that process and then just being comfortable with it as well. So mm-hmm. starting that conversation early. Oh. And that's very much choice. Of what you want to do, but a lot of people are done. I definitely did it, and my girlfriends do it. I'm here loving um, these noises. I think you yeah. need to be taught, taught about. I never knew that that expressing classroom. Oh yeah. my gosh! Okay, let's let's fill her in. I've actually <laughs> only seen that recently because um, Mama's here lactation, the beautiful Bonnie on yeah. Instagram. Um, she has been talking about that quite a bit. So when you were talking about that, it was I was seeing the syringes, yeah, of yeah. The colostrum, yeah. yeah. 
And then I was like, oh, yeah, they must be doing that. I sound so stupid saying this no, as no. a mother of two children. But it's but quite new. It wasn't a thing it, when yeah. we were having our babies, Larissa. It started popping uh, yeah, up around the time like I was pregnant with Jude. Yeah, this is like just news to me. Even yeah. I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and I can't even remember what we were talking about. But what stuck out in my mind was that we were talking about the six-week blood test. Yeah. yeah. And it was only because when we started – Doing these podcasts, Jess was talking about the six-week blood test and I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't get that, yeah. And I said that to my girlfriend the other day and she was like, I never had that. Yeah. Well, what is that? And it's just not having that consistency. Is that everyone Mm. sort of has different, you know, not having consistency across the board for all women. So Mm. this is quite a new thing and some midwives are for it, some are against it. So it does depend who your midwife is as well. Um, Some will say it's not worth it, the antenatal expressing. I love it. I think it's great and I don't think it can do any harm. Yeah. And, you know, for all – I've done it, you know, with my sister-in-laws and friends and and none of them – all of them, their milk came in really well. Like yeah. they're really well prepared. So, you know, if it can't any, hurt. Anybody who's listening doesn't know what colostrum is, do you want to just give us a quick – like we just refer to mm. it as liquid gold. Mm. Liquid gold, we <laughs> love it. And that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Why would midwives say – like not to do it or not because it is re- like Jess said it is referred to as liquid gold so wouldn't that well that sort of I guess the body is set up that it's you know it is liquid gold and we don't need huge amounts so if the normal physiological birth process is followed your milk and your colostrum right. and your milk will come in as it needs to come in right um so I guess from that perspective a lot of midwives especially older midwives have that well we don't need to the body's set up for the way it is but right. we do know now that you know in a world where in, in australia at least you know our caesar rates 38 percent of the time at the moment mm. and so we know that you know after a caesar your milk's a bit slower to mm-hmm. come in after blood loss your your milk's a bit slower to come in so i just think anything you can do to get you a step ahead why wouldn't you mm. um, and then you can keep it in the free like if you don't need it now absolutely. keep it in the freezer for when one of your kids gets sick one of my doula clients gave it to her three-year-old because she didn't need it for a newborn yeah right her three-year-old yep. came down with a cold and she's like here you go yeah well you know that night <laughs> oh, two wow. and three so obviously colostrum um is a lot smaller amount so you know we say mm. every drip is we get catch every drip that we possibly can um and the babies for the first couple of days you know we make enough colostrum for what they need or mm-hmm. you, you know if, if you follow a the normal physiological pattern um and you know there's they usually though babies start to wake up so there is that stage you will remember from your babies night two and three we always say are a bit of a nightmare because your milk hasn't come in you've still got that colostrum but your baby's waking up and it's a bit hungry I want some more food so you've also got that store in there that you can just yeah. give it a little bit of colostrum mm. and fill that little belly up and mm. hopefully get a little bit of sleep yeah. yeah, just calm the baby down a little bit. So it does – I definitely used it for that and, you know, I definitely recommend it. Would you say that yeah. the babies – sorry, this might be going a bit too tangenty, but you were just asking why some midwives would be against it. Would giving them colostrum when they should be, like, trying to bring your milk in, would that then stop them from, you know – You'd be hoping you'd your... still be both because obviously yeah. to, for yeah. your milk to come in you need to be stimulated. Mm. So um, – mm. You know, so you, you and you need fi- to have that find the balance of that's enough right. action on your breast, mm, yeah. but also enough in their belly so they can rest. Absolutely, and, rest, and as we yeah. were talking about in the previous episode, um, you know that skin to skin that stimulates it. So even if your baby's not feeding, if you can have that baby on you skin to skin for mm-hmm. as long as much as possible, all of that stirs up your hormones and brings in your um, in your milk. So mm. I'm not a lactation consultant, but yeah, that's it's yeah. a little bit of a passion. Yeah. 
Um, so let's talk a bit about the physiological process of – so we don't have, I don't think we have to go through the whole birth, but particularly like, you know, obviously your body is producing everything in those moments of pushing and, you know, getting the baby out yeah. um, in whatever way that, that happens. And then can you just talk a bit to what the body's actually going through and doing and then sort of lead us into – those sort of hours after yeah absolutely yep so obviously you've got first stage of labor so that's mm. when you're um we define um established labor as you know usually four centimeters dilated and regular strong contractions mm-hmm. um so you know you often have your your early stages of labor and then you you we call it then you go into active labor um and that can go for you know, some women are quick, some how long is a piece of string really. Mm. Um, and then you, so you go through that and then obviously you get to a stage where you start transitioning and that's when you go f- to fully dilated to pushing. Um, mm. And again, different amounts of time for different people. So that's when your body, your cervix is opened mm-hmm. and you're ready to um, you're ready to push that baby out. So for a first time mum, that can take up to two hours to push your baby out, which is exhausting. Um, I loved pushing. Did you? Oh, felt so good. Just that relief. Like not orgasmic good, but just, yeah, like it just like my midwife had to slow me down. Yeah, right. It was like this. (laughs) She'd be like, breathe through it. And I'd be like. (laughs) 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 Your body obviously knew what to do. Yeah. Yeah, um, That's it. But I know that there's. You know, everyone's body feels different. I know plenty of people who hated pushing. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost a relief, I guess, if you've got no pain relief on board and you you need to relieve it somehow, don't you? And pushing. Yeah. Well, I had had an epidural, so I actually couldn't. I could feel a little bit, but my obstetrician was like, "No, no, 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 stop! No, no, just breathe, just softly, just breathe softly." Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because obviously, I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And the more slowly and gentle you can do it, the more you stretch that perineum, and less, you know, the hope is there's less chance of um, tearing. tearing. Yep. So that's why we always say to you, you know, as you. You know, as you are crowning and we're seeing more of that head, that's fantastic. The slower you can do it, the better. Mm. Stretch out that perineum nice and slowly and then hopefully we can help guide that baby out with minimal damage. Um, It's the best feeling ever. I still get a tear every time a baby's born. It's it's amazing. Even if I watch a baby being born on Instagram. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How many babies do you have? Do you know how many babies you've helped? No. No, No, absolutely no idea at all. (laughs) Wow. Tanzania, there's a lot more. Um, because really? they, yeah, they had the old um, nightingale ward, so they were just you know rooms with beds sort of lined up against the walls. Oh, and it was very, um, you know, the women came in five minutes later; they were expected to get up because someone else needed that bed. So oh you could my. have eighty, hundred babies there a day in some of the bigger <gasps> hospitals. Did you say one hundred and eighty? Oh, I sorry, eighty to one hundred a to day. 100 yeah, so day. quite a lot. Whereas wow. you know, obviously, that's a lot different to here. Wow, um, but different processes and different. Um, different standards so as well so yeah I would have absolutely no idea but lots mm. and it's still amazing every time okay yep. so we've we've pushed yep so baby's out so I think um good for women to know that um 
or families to know, it's about 10% of babies that come out need a bit of help transitioning to breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will often find, you know, it's great when you hear them cry and, and mm. 90% of babies will have a cry. Sometimes they need just a little bit of extra help, mm. which can be extremely frightening. I think mm. you've just had this baby, you expect mm. to hear a cry. So, you know, occasionally they do need to take the baby and, and give it a little bit of help. But often it's just, we just need to get them started and then off they go and they're fine after that. Just a bit of help transitioning. Um, but then, of course, you got to birth your placenta. So this I did not know when I had my first child. Do you mean uh, you didn't know while you like until you got pregnant and you started to learn, or was it like actually after you birthed no, no, Valentina? Actually, after I birthed, and, and then, then my they were like, I was like, oh, thank God. He's like, no, no, hang on, you've got it. And I'm like, what? I thought it was done. Yeah, <laughs> I hated that actually. I know. I just said I love pushing placenta yeah. is a whole other thing. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's not quite the reward of pushing out a baby. No, it? and also yeah. they're like push, and you're like. How? Yeah. <laughs> what am I? There's nothing helping. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing helping. Yeah. Me. To push. It's all you guiding it, and obviously they, you know, in most births now we we help it along as well. So we'll give you a um, an injection, mm-hmm. and then we will sort of once it looks like it's separating, we will also give it a little bit of traction as well to try and help pull it out. Which yeah. there's a big movement against that as well. Yeah, there um, is now definitely yeah. starting to be. Um, it's still definitely the norm. Is yeah. we we do. Where, have where do you sit on? You might not be able to say, but what do you? What do you think? It's better to let the body. A different circuit. Everyone's different, or? and it depends what risk you are as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, it can be associated with higher risk of bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, I'm probably not up to date with the latest research on that, so mm. there's always more coming through. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely, there is a movement against it. And if that's someone's wishes, if I don't, you know, if we feel that they're not a high risk. Um, yeah. Then you'd support it. Yeah. Yeah. And and if they're in the right setting as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What is the injection, Narelle, that they give you? So it's in synthetic hormones. So right. it's the oxytocin, which is you know your body produces yeah. normally. It's yeah. just a an injection of that. Right. So you often feel us jabbing you in the the I thigh think I afterwards. Had that. Yeah. yeah. You would have. Um, it is the norm. I think you're right. People now are questioning it. Um, but definitely it is the norm and it, most people are still doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Okay, so we've pushed the placenta out. Yep. And hopefully your baby's chest to chest because we love that first yep. golden mm-hmm. hour. So we yep. pop that baby straight onto your belly. Mm. And it's amazing. So obviously we're talking about vaginal births now. However, we know, like I said, yes. 38% of births in Australia at the moment are seizures. Mm. And I think it's amazing that we're now looking at um, – the experience of a Caesar. So you'll find most hospitals now, I know um, where I was working in Melbourne, we've got a baby cam. So mum's watching the baby at all stages when she, um, so baby needs to be taken over to the cot. Um, There's a camera on the cot as well, so she can see it. However, now they've even gone a step further and I love it. It's becoming the norm is maternally assisted caesareans. Um, Do you know about this, Larissa? No. Oh, no. (laughs) It's great. I I love, I think this is I don't think I could do it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of women coming through and a lot of women asking for it and wanting Mm. it. And now a lot of hospitals have written the protocols and they're they're taking on board a lot of doctors. Um, So that's basically, so your mum is, she's scrubbing up at the start of the Caesar and then she will help assist pull her baby out. So they'll drop the the sheet that you normally have there and mum will help pull the baby out and straight onto her her chest. So then she's the first person. So beautiful, hey. Oh my god, baby. I love that. Yeah. If you get onto Instagram, there's some great videos. I'll send yeah. you some when they come up. Oh yes, yeah. please do. Yeah. I just don't think I could um, see the 
You know, I have friends and clients who can't even look at their own cesarean photos and videos just because of the all oh, the layers that have been cut open. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so I think if I had to do a maternally assisted cesarean, I'd probably faint. But yeah. It's just nice, so I think now that you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I know, I'm yeah. very aware of that. And I love that's it. So fine and, and as a concept. <laughs> At least women are getting choice. Exactly. Like this is yeah. not just yeah. going for a Caesar, and this is what we're doing. I mean, we're lucky now that most women, um, the huge majority of women, unless it's exceptional circumstances, will be awake and mm. have a spinal, so they will be part of it all. And they're actually still a beautiful birth. Yeah. Um, you get the most sensational photos of it. And, you know, yeah. Dad's very involved as well, which yeah. is really nice in a Caesar. Um, but I think now we're going that step further of let's make this experience what mums want it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very individual choices, but at least there is yeah. choices for them. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that that's actually starting to happen because, yeah. like, I certainly didn't know about it and I wonder if it is something that a lot of people do know about because at the moment with the birth trauma inquiry going on, you know, I think this is something that we want to try and establish as well in this narrative is that it's not all horrible. No, absolutely. You know, there is so much beauty in all of this. And I think, you know, Jess and I, both of our experiences are quite different in that. Like mine wasn't so great, but Jess had, you know, the most incredible experience especially my first time around yeah yeah Yeah. and I think it's a really important narrative that we talk about all the beauty of it yeah just as much as we talk about all of the things and and I think that's the thing if you can and I know I spoke about this previously of you know obviously seeing all ends of the spectrum of um, women birthing I went into it with no fear you know like I Mm. still believe in I've seen so much good and beautiful experiences mm-hmm. and I think you know I absolutely had no fear going into there and I had that belief mm, in the body yeah. and and you know it's like we spoke about if something did go off plan that's okay because we're still safe mm-hmm. we're in a safe environment and that's mm. you know it's not what I would have ideally wanted however no I always felt safe which I think you know if we can take that fear there is a lot of fear around childbirth mm-hmm. and if we can take yeah. that away from women um, and, you know, that is empowering them and giving them choices. Mm. So if we can do that as much as we can, then we're winning. I yeah. just wish that everyone knew that, you know, because I think the fear comes from the fear of pain. Yeah. And I think two things that a lot of people don't know, either before they're pregnant or even sometimes when they're pregnant, is that you don't feel pain the whole time you're in labour. You know, you get breaks. Yeah. And also your body's flooding itself with hormones to help. Absolutely, and yeah, and it's, you know, it's yeah. Like my births were both really intense. Um, the second one really painful because his waters didn't break. But yeah. it's, you know, it's not like you're just your body is making pain really for you. It <laughs> and is. I wish more people knew that. And yeah. and there's mm. ways to make that even better. You know, like with the low light and the yeah making sure you're feeling safe and yeah um but in, in saying that definitely i just think there's no shame at all as well if you do need the analgesia oh, so if you do need the pain relief yeah, medication yeah. and absolutely agree with you you know if you can take away the fear and explain that to women that yeah. you know this this is the body's way of coping with mm-hmm. it however should you need extra stuff we've got it that, and yeah. we can help you and that yeah. is okay um obviously then we sort of start the cascade of interventions which i think we're going to talk about but um 
it's okay though if you need it it's not failing you know if you need yes. an epidural yeah. our epidural rates are quite high within australia and that's okay it's totally okay because you're still birthing your baby yeah. beautifully yeah. um yeah. and that's okay you know every circumstance is so different i would hate for someone to feel shame over getting an epidural or a absolutely you know, absolutely like some people feel so much shame around their birth not going the way that they thought it would and i just like we deal with so much yeah shit. As mums, the yeah. last thing I want anyone mm. to ever feel is shame. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you do what you need to do at the time and your circumstances are different to, you know, the woman yeah. in the next room. So yeah. if you need it and it's there, um, great. Yeah, that's, I remember thinking yeah. that though. Like I remember thinking through like the, you know, days leading up to knowing I had to be induced because I was like, you know, coming close, close to 42 weeks. Um I remember thinking, oh, like if I have an epidural, I'm not going to be that. You yeah, know, warrior I mean, you don't get a medal for not having it, do you? Like, and then I yeah. got to, then I was in yeah. there, and I was like, I'm no one's hero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. give me the epidural. I didn't want like gas or anything. because yeah. I felt like I wasn't going to be present if I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the epidural, I was like, yeah. yeah. And then again, it just comes down to choice, doesn't it? Yep. With Sebastian, my anaesthetist ended up being my neighbor who lives at the back of me now are you serious yeah ah, perfect <laughs> and he walked in and john was like i know you and i'm like i know you too how do i know you? screaming at him while i'm like <laughs> and he's like yeah i think i live behind you like, okay this is a whole new <laughs> this is a whole new thing of Love thy neighbour. Yeah. Well, you would have been loving him at that stage, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, just give me the epidural. That's please. right. Yep. No, I think it's choice and we're lucky enough in this country. And, you know, and obviously every service is different. Obviously, you know, what they can provide is different. However, mm. you know, we do have choice. And if you need it, you need it if it's there. Fantastic. Mm. If you don't want it and you get through mm-hmm. without it, amazing. But if you do happen to need it and it's there, mm. it's what it's there for. On that, yeah. with every every. What did you just say? Every service has different. Yeah. Um, like, are you meaning private versus public versus this hospital? I'm sort of probably more thinking rural because yeah. that's oh, where yeah, I course, am at the moment. Yeah. 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 You know, I was up in um, in a hospital which doesn't have maternity services, and and a woman came in fully dilated, and I obviously was very excited by this. She was, <laughs> yeah. was her third baby. She did really well, you know. But she knew we've got no anaesthetist there. We've got no obstetrician. You know, where it, and this baby's coming anyway, and it was beautiful, yeah. but you know, she didn't have those options that we'd yeah. normally have. And I've worked in a lot of places remote or rurally, remotely, that don't have access to a, an anaesthetist. So you just know if you're going to birth there, you, you're not going to have an epidural. Yeah. If, you want, if you think that's something you might want, you need to travel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so. In, on that, um, would you say, I imagine the answer is yes, um, the, the postpartum offerings from different hospitals and, you know, regions, mm, rural yeah. versus city, and what's available to birthing people, would you say that there's a lot of difference Absolutely there as huge well? Absolutely, yeah. discrepancy. Yeah. I mean, public, a private sort of sometimes gets a bad rap. However, you know, I really always felt working in the private system that we sent home women and partners, families well prepared mm-hmm. because they had a longer stay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your milk comes in day three, day four, 
you know, usually go home on day four or five. So you've got that breastfeeding established and you're feeling, you've done a first bath in mm-hmm. hospital. So you're mm-hmm. just feeling, you're walking out feeling confident. And, you know, that's really important for fathers as well. You know, dads to be able to go home and not thinking, oh my goodness, like, what do I do? With what this? do I do? I oh, know yeah. I've done this before. So the, this yeah. is the way they taught me. So I've always felt like in the private, we were sending women home prepared or families home prepared. Um, however, then you don't have the domiciliary that, the home visit midwives that you do at the public mm, system yeah. so you know pros and cons to everything and it's it, you know I think there is definitely then you go rurally and you've got neither yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know they also give very good services because there's not the demands on beds at a lot of places yeah, so know. you'll find that you know that some of the GP obstetricians the ones I've worked with are amazing so they can do everything you know these mm-hmm. are they're running their clinics by the day and they're delivering a baby here and there and and, you know, some the women are getting that continuity because mm-hmm. they're just seeing the one obstetrician. So a lot of it is very much amazing care um, and there's not that, you know, and this is very generalised, but there's not that desperate need for beds that there is, you know, quick, we need them out because we've got another Turn four women over. coming in. Yeah. Um, so they do get longer stays often in the country. So, you know, it's pros and cons everywhere, mm-hmm. isn't there? I don't think we've got it perfect anywhere. But. No, I don't and I'm not sure that we ever will, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of experiences that people have through birthing, so yeah. You know, you can't be ticking the boxes and preparing for every single different experience. No, absolutely. And I think you do know that when you do live in an isolated or rural community that you you're not going to have, you know, we travel to Melbourne for 4 hours and that's okay. That's what we choose to do. Um so I think you just find ways around it and whatever works for you because you understand that of course you don't have the amount of people there to warrant those services so yeah that's okay and we're really spoiled in Australia you know we go then into the postpartum period um you've got the Australian Breastfeeding Association's got the amazing mm-hmm. 24-7 line you've got the um pregnancy birth and baby mm-hmm. maternal child health nurse line um you know you've got Panda you've got mm-hmm. a whole range of if you want it it is there it might mm-hmm. not be physically but there's definitely um, services available. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And while we're talking about services, I just want to talk about um, Dr. Amber Hart Yes. as well. Um, she has an amazing service where you can day stay with her. Um, and in Parkville? In, yeah, I'm pretty Parkville? sure she's in yeah. Parkville. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. It's called the Maternal and Infant Wellness yeah. That's Center. the one, yeah. Um, and she has an amazing service, which yeah, is wow. a day-stay service. Um, yeah, so if anyone out there listening is um, needing some help, uh, Dr Amber Hart has an amazing day-stay service. And so does, well, not yet, but um, Dr Nicole Gale, who we will be interviewing soon, yes. also has a, um, Juno. a space opening how nice is this so to see that there are you know there is such a gap and we do yeah there are services but I'm sure that doesn't make the isolated woman sitting at home by herself with their baby feel any better you know but how nice to know that there is this gap recognized and exactly what you're doing and obviously what there are other Mm. services popping up that Mm. recognize the gap and they're working starting you know to fill it I think yeah. I think the statistics are, st- are starting to scream yep. at everyone, yep. which is unfortunate that we need to get to these points of you know. Yeah. Well, um, we're women after all. If it was men giving birth, no, let's we would not be, start um, on the patriarchy, <laughs> shall we? But I think it's um, where we are having the conversation a lot more because I don't know that it's gotten worse. 
Mm. I think we, we, you know, has it always been like this and it's just what it is, what it is, or are we now talking about it a lot more? Yeah, very um, true, very yeah. true. Well, thank, thank you. you. Pleasure. <laughs> um, we will be chatting with you again soon, but thank you, Narelle. Lovely, thank you. This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and their guest speakers. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. This podcast is for informational purposes only and content here should not be taken as medical or professional advice. Please consult your healthcare professional for any personal recommendations and medical care. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate based on the best available information at the time of recording, we welcome any comments, suggestions or feedback via our website contact form home.com.au forward slash contact. Names and details of personal experiences may have been changed to allow for anonymity and privacy. To join the conversation, join us on social media at Home Postpartum.